0: This is the Swans Blogs, Swans Cast, the original Sydney Swans podcast. A new man with a new baby, it's about bloody time the big Budweiser made his AFL return. Game 300 was so far too long ago, so let's celebrate Game 301 with a big, big bag. In this week's episode, we review the Swans' impressive win against the Lions and look ahead to our Round 2 clash against the Crows at the SCG. We discuss Patrick Dangerfield's suspension, Buddy's return, the AFL-CA votes and Rising Star nomination for Golden, Team changes, the match ahead, and we give you our matchups, key points, predictions, and the weekend forecast. This is your host, Justin, and with me tonight is Stephen Trelaw. Stephen, thank you so much for joining me again.
1: Thanks, Justin, and uh, footy's back, and for the Swans, it's with a vengeance, isn't it?
0: Oh, absolutely. It uh, puts to, I guess, pale our predictions last week when we're kind of just saying, you know, it'd be great to see the Swans play again.
1: Yeah. No, I I don't think well, I'd be very surprised if anyone was uh, truly expecting that sort of a result, but uh I'm sure everyone's was certainly welcoming it. Well, I think the kiss of death was, but uh doesn't he well. vote for every every uh, team that's supposed to lose? <laughs> yeah, he'd be the only one disappointed with that prediction.
0: <laughs> I know, I know. And then um I had a look at the predictions again today and I think uh I don't know. I don't like our chances because the experts have given Adelaide no chance. So, well, you know, we know what happened last round. Yeah. I don't like being favourites. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, we'll kick it straight off top of the agenda. Dangerfield, he has copped a three-week suspension and I'm a little surprised that Geelong didn't uh, even appeal it. They just accepted it.
1: Yeah, it was a bit strange. Um, in terms... Because I had a kind of brief look through social media during the whole thing without, you know, um, letting it anger me too much because social media is just a wonderful, wonderful place. Oh, yeah. Uh <laughs> A true reflection of society these days, unfortunately Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah (laughs) Um, But um, unless you follow us uh, at the Swans blog on all the social media channels That place is a utopia, of course Oh, actually Um... (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, I saw such a range of responses of what, you know, people thought Dangerfield should get Um, A lot of people thought, you know, it was a good bump play on um, And a lot of people were saying, you know, throw the book at him So I don't think any result that the tribunal would give would make everyone happy.
0: Yeah, I agree. It's one of those cases where you're sort of damned if you do damned, if you don't mm. and looking back on it, there was some stills that were taken right before the impact or at the point of impact and Dangerfield had left the ground He yeah. claims protecting myself. I-, I tucked in to protect myself. Yeah, sure. Okay. You got to protect yourself when you're bumping, but there's also um, due diligence for when you're making that act, that when you hit that other player, you're going to make sure you're not wiping them out for the rest of the game and then some. And that's what that's what has happened. And it was interesting uh, reading an article from uh, Nick Rewa, or more sort of commentary about it from when he got suspended for a bump a few years back. He said that it was just a subconscious decision. It's trained into you. You just do it. You don't even think about it. It's instinctual. And it's really up to the players and the clubs to train themselves not to do that. And a lot of people have... Complained over the years, like the last 10-15 years, that the bump is being banned. And I don't think it's a case of the bump being banned. I think it's a case, and players are rightfully picked up on this, especially Lee Montagna and David King, is that the, game, the speed of the game has increased so much that the bump is almost irrelevant now. There's almost no place for it. And you love to see a great bump. Uh, especially uh, the Port Adelaide player, uh, you were sharing gifts around on social media, um, Byron Pickett.
1: Byron Pickett, yeah, oh, yeah. he
0: used to lay him in sensationally, but obviously the guys he laid out were laid out permanently, so we don't mm. want to see that, but we no. still want to see some good
1: quality hard hits. Yeah, it's a really fine line they have to draw, isn't it? I mean, I can totally see, and you look at, um, like, I believe Shane Tuck was one of the guys um, who had that sort of, um, you know, impact from concussions for the rest of his life, and that's certainly nothing... Uh, anyone wants to see. Um, personally, from my view, if that means, you know, we have to get really kind of, you know, clamped down on, um, those aggressive bumps, then so be it. Um, I think, you know, if you have to lean one way or the other, I think I'd lean towards player safety, but, um, yeah, I don't envy the people that have to make those decisions in the end.
0: Yeah. And it's like a lot of people talk about it as being a game of inches, centimeters, even millimeters. You just got to think back to an incident with Blake Carousella in the 2000s when uh, he slipped over and the player chasing the ball slipped over as well. And it was just the angle and the hit and then that was the end of his career. Mm. So it's one of those things where if you're, going, if you're going to go for the bump, you need to be careful because the impact that you're actually hitting these players at, it's like they're running face first into a brick wall, especially yeah. if there's hip involved, like any contact to hip to head. It can do so much damage. So, in hindsight, three weeks. I think three weeks is about right. Three to four weeks would have been ideal. Uh, The Tribunal did back up the severe grading, which is good. And now there's a bit of a line in the sand. We know what the severe grading is. Mm. And players have a responsibility to make sure that they don't do that anymore. And I think the other thing that really um, irked me about Dangerfield's ongoing commentary about it after the fact, like, oh, I'm not this, I'm not that, you know, this is ridiculous sort of nonsense, was... The ball had already been disposed of. The ball had already exited the area. This is just a plain old smash him after the ball's gone. Oh, yeah, it's kind I mean, of I hard can... to call him dirty, but it, it, there was a bit of sniping to it.
1: Yeah, I mean, I can kind of see why you would like in a match situation why you would do that. Like you don't want the you Dangerfield wouldn't have wanted Kelly to be part of the next play if he's like if he didn't lay that bump and then you know Kelly ran on was part of the next link in the chain of handballs or whatever it was. Um, so I can kind of see why he did it but again you know as you say you got to be just so careful when you're doing that um and kind of linking to what you said about you know how Dangerfield's been responding to this whole thing I don't think um his lawyer uh, at the tribunal hearing did him too much justice I'm not sure if you saw but he actually used um siri as a uh source to find a definition yes. of the to find a definition of the word severe so i did um, read that and it was like yeah,
0: exactly what they were arguing
1: yeah i hope they uh got their money's worth with that one
0: yeah i hope they uh got apple and uh iphone involved in that one and uh, <laughs> got some sponsorship money out of that one Yeah, but yeah but look it's three weeks he's rubbed out unfortunately he's going to play against us but they've got a massive match on the weekend against brisbane now, on to the next thing on the agenda is Lance Franklin finally making his long-awaited return. Didn't play a game last year. He didn't play much in 2019. He's finally playing around to 2021. It is yeah. great to have the big Budweiser back.
1: Oh, yeah. The amount of um you know confidence and the amount that... I mean, we've got such a kind of young core, especially in our forward line at the moment. To have someone like that, um, he's one of those players who... You know, he kind of inspires the players around him, which I think will be great. Um, I was, before this was announced, I was kind of a bit hesitant um, that Buddy should be named. Um, and I did copy a little bit of flack of it from, like, from for having this view from some people. But my thinking behind it was, I don't want Buddy playing. A Buddy who's, you know, anyone who's 34 years old and hasn't played a game in 18 months, I don't care who you are you're not going to be coming back at your absolute best. And I don't think we should expect Buddy to be back at his absolute best against the Crows. Um, But, yeah, he played half a um, Rezies match uh, last week and it was actually a Rezies practice match. So, you know, getting back to that full AFL um, kind of speed and pressure might take him a a little bit to get adjusted, I think. But, um, yeah, you know, if the um, health and... Uh, Strength and conditioning crew think is ready to go And it's credit to them The injury list for the Swans has been looking great So far this year Um, Then, you know, let him at it Oh, 100% And it's interesting where they're going to play him Because you look at the way
0: that the Swans structured up They structured up beautifully They had a lot of good crumbing forwards Small crumbing forwards that did the most damage But they're able to also extract a lot Out of uh, McLean, Sam Reid And Logan, Logan McDonald So it's kind of interesting to see where they slide him in and who comes out. And I I think the obvious choice for who comes out is most likely going to be uh, McLean, unless they anticipate to put Franklin on a wing, which uh, I think is a really good idea. Uh, I think you raised uh, with me not that long ago that it was Richo who nearly won a Brownlow medal playing on a wing at the end of his career.
1: Yep, uh, 2009, I think, from memory. Um, And yeah, he was... um... The count went to the last round. Um yep. and some I think it might have been Joel Bowden or someone who robbed Rich over the three votes to <laughs> yeah. um yeah, to win it. Um so look, I mean whether the Swans will do it or not, whether I mean I guess Buddy Buddy's done a lot of running um as part of his rehab, like a lot of running. Um yeah. so maybe that uh wing roll, you know, to kind of push him a little bit more outside fifty, outside the Ford fifty might be a good move. But um look, I'm, I'm I, I, I'm I, not too kind of concerned about where he plays just so long as he can get through a full match without being injured.
0: Yeah, same. And look, it's not without precedent either because Nick Rewalt was one of the most recent players who shifted from that inside 50 to the wing and he was playing. He could, in matches, in, he was going all nearly as um, deep as full back uh, Sam Reid mm-hmm. has been playing more that flanker wing role for a lot of his career after making a start as a forward. So... It's definitely not without precedent. And given Franklin's ability with the ball, which is outstanding, he's one of the best ball users in the competition for most of his his career. His field kick is amazing. And and he's got great vision, great hands, great mark on a lead. He will be a perfect wingman for us. But it'll just be interesting. So it's time to get on to the match review, Stephen. Um, First things first, can you please tell us who the Rising Star nomination for our round one was well
1: Errol! Oh. <laughs> i would give anything just to be like you oh that was amazing um i mean the song or what or the vote <laughs> <laughs> no mate, errol's game oh yeah. wow he um yeah he was just allowed to do whatever he like i'd never seen that i yeah they the way he played <laughs> yeah he was kind of he was given a bit too much freedom. I think I'm not sure if it was just you know the Lions as a whole having a crap night, which let's face yep. it they did. Yep. Um, or just underestimating a first game player, but he was just given so much room, and the quality of the kicks he made were you know absolutely amazing. Um, oh, they you were know, stuff that you wouldn't see from a you know 100 game player.
0: Well, that's the thing. You look at how he played. And how Brayden Campbell, um, played, especially how the, the way that Campbell was using the ball in the first quarter, the first quarter and a half, it's where they'd been around for years.
1: And that's the thing, I guess they, they kind of have, um, in terms of being around the Swan system, uh, through the Academy. Um, I think what the, what the young lads, especially kind of the guys who are in their last years in the Academy, they really get taught the Swan's way of football. Yeah. Um. And that's really paying dividends, you know, once they get drafted and start playing senior footy. But um, another guy who probably deserves a mention as well is Logan McDonald. Oh, yeah. Um, wow, what a first game he had as well. Yeah. I mean, to take one... Like, he only took one contested mark for the match, I think, but his, you know, strength off a lead was amazing. Probably why uh, he didn't get too many contested marks because he was just, you know, beating yeah. his man. Um, but the one contested mark he did take was on Harris Andrews, who's probably, you know... Widely considered the best defender in the league, so, yep. and yeah,
0: he, he was really good. It was really impressive, and you could see that his time in the Sandfall had really given him a, a boost for the season of his first season in AFL. And yeah, I know that the we waffle. last, well, waffle, sorry, yeah, uh, gotta remember where these players come. From. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but but a season of senior football, and apparently he's been playing seniors since he's fourteen years old. And you can see he's just that big, but you can see how much of a good status put him in because. That was the main concern for um, Ugol Hagen for the Western Bulldogs about how quickly he could integrate. And we were talking last week about how quickly Logan McDonald could integrate and how much of a season he could play. His first his first game, you're just like, yeah, it's not going to be a problem. <laughs> not, yeah. not a problem at all. So, Like,
1: yeah. And, you know, I said last week, I think I remember saying, like, you know, I wouldn't expect him to play every match this season. And I, like, you know... I still wouldn't mind giving him you know a bit of extra rest here and there just to make sure that you know he grows and develops at the best possible rate he can. But you know if he does play every game and he's you know putting out results like that, like good yeah. on him.
0: Like you're you're looking at the King brothers for example. Mm. That's the sort of quality he's bringing in there, and they've brought that quality what like uh, a season in. They've played a season yeah. football before bringing that quality. He's bringing it from you know the first game, so. There are some very exciting players in the AFL right now, and he is definitely amongst that group. So when it comes to the draft, I think uh, Sydney are going to have two of the top three players from that draft year, hands down. And that might not even be including Campbell yet. (laughs) So so it's looking good. Uh, AFL-CA votes also came in earlier in the week. Uh, Absolutely no surprises for the top two. Callum Mills, 10 votes. Uh, Errol Gordon, 7. Tom Hickey. Seven votes as well. So the top three votes from both coaches clearly went Mills, Golden, Hickey. Yeah. Uh, then it's a bit of a split for the rest. You got Isaac Kenny on three, Dane Zorko on two, and one for Harry Cunningham. Uh, and Harry had a good game. But I know that yeah. when we did our player ratings, they were pretty lined up, except we did some ratings for some other players as well.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think Harry's a underrated player for us. You know, whenever you kind of you know, look around the social media traps, you kind of see his name as one that's usually there um, to be dropped, especially if someone needs to come back in. Um, and I always as a,
0: disagree with that too. Yeah.
1: I mean, look, he's part of the leadership group. He is not the guy who you'll notice on the stat sheets too much, but in terms of what he does, like a few years ago, he was um, like absolute quality in terms of his quality of delivery inside 50. Um, I think a couple of years ago, he was like league high at one point in terms of um, that sort of percentage efficiency. Uh, But, you know, he can play that role as a small defender as well. He can distribute. um, I think it's just such a, you know, asset to have one of those guys who, you know, aren't the, you know, top 10 draft picks or anything like that, but the guys who just do their thing week in, week out. Um, Yeah. I just, you know, Anyone yeah. who kind of says that he should be dropped, kind of you know, tells me a bit more <laughs> about them. I think.
0: No, I, I agree, hundred percent. And you look at the way he played. I likened him, his performance to a Nick Smith kind of performance. Just flew under the radar. You, you mm. didn't notice him, but anything he did was good. Every time he had the ball, here was damaging, and his opponent did nothing for the entire match. That is how you measure the effectiveness of a defender. Does the forward have an impact? And whoever he played on did nothing. Yeah. So it, he has been an amazing contributor since he, uh, switched back into defense. So it is really good to see him, um, see him back there and playing really well. Uh, now the ratings for the week have ended. Um, so we are posting up ratings each week, so make sure you go onto the site and post up your ratings. Most people agree with our ratings. Uh, a few sort of like, for instance, people voted Dane Rampey a little bit lower than we did, but, um. We uh were well. I did the vote, so I was pretty uh pretty supportive of his game. I thought he did very well. Uh, so our top six players we had Callum Mills on ten, uh, Errol Golden on nine and a half, uh, Hickey on nine, McDonald, Robottom and Rampy on eight and a half each. Uh, it was just it was a great performance by the team, aided by the fact yeah. that Brisbane gave up ten minutes into the first
1: quarter, which was bizarre. Yeah, they came out with such good start. Zach Bailey was kicking them from 50 metres out, coming from midfield. And, you know, I thought, I kind of saw the score at the start. I was like, oh, all right, here we go. Um, But, yeah, it was such a great team uh, lift from there. Um, I was checking in the third quarter, uh, where I have it? I did have the stats here. So, in the third quarter, we had 27 more disposals. I mean, we went at 81% disposal efficiency compared to Brisbane's 60. That's huge. And just, like, you know, 60% Sixty percent is you know sort of a bit off but acceptable. Seventy yep. percent is you know you are doing well. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, anywhere between kind of sixty and seventy percent is good. Eighty um, percent is just you know you are going to dem- you are going to annihilate them. Oh, their um, pressure must
0: have their pressure rating must have been a mile off in the third quarter.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, one guy who I'd like to have a chat about in terms of his game, Tom Hickey, like. Wow, just I was not expecting that from him. The guy who's, you know, Same. this this Same. is his four, fourth club he's played at. He's always kind of played second fiddle, um, you know, gets that first ruck roll when there's an injury sort of thing. But the way he was moving around the ground and, you know, albeit it wasn't against, you know, a star kind of quality opposition ruckman, but the way he played, it was almost kind of, you know, Brody Grundy-like in the in the yep. way that he was kind of like an extra midfielder. He was massive. Like it, his performance was, <laughs> I'm just gonna say
0: it was out of left field. I've never seen him play like that. And mm. if he can play like that for us, this is probably the most absurdly good trade anyone could possibly have made. Yeah, uh, yeah and, and I and I said in the ratings, you know, imagine what happens when you play a ruck. He had game high nine clearances, and okay, he wasn't up against a potato, but he was literally just dom- it was not only dominating but destroying his opponents, whoever he was up against. It was a demolition job. 23 disposals, 14 of them contested. He had goal assists. uh, He out tapped his opponents. He had score involvements. uh, He had 400 meters gained. A Ruckman with 400 meters gained. (laughs) What is going on? Yeah. So it was just phenomenal watching him play. We got beaten in the center clearances pretty convincingly, uh, but we also smashed Brisbane pretty convincingly. So, you know, no complaints. No, Definitely. (laughs) <laughs> Can't complain about that one But uh, Lockie Neal He had seven clearances And our next best was uh, Row bottom with three So <laughs> It was a bit of an interesting one you know, A bit of an interesting um, Stat result uh, We did beat them In literally every category
1: Too as far as um, Stats goes Except for Clearances Yeah I think yeah, Lockie Neal You know Last year's Brownlow medalist He was actually kept To quite a quiet game I thought I And mean, you know um, As credit to our midfield That our structures And that could Um Shut down, you know, one of the best midfielders in the game.
0: Yeah, we we did we did really well. Uh I, I just opened up the possession heat map for quarter three. And it is I've never seen anything like this. Brisbane's hotspot is dead center of the ground. <laughs> <laughs> Sydney's hotspot is the entire ground. So <laughs> that is just how dominant we were with the ball. That like we had it on a string, we had it everywhere, and uh. Brisbane just couldn't even get near it, so it, it was yeah. phenomenal.
1: Yeah, it was. It certainly was that you know third quarter that was telling.
0: Yeah, and we, we led by 50 points. It would have been nice to win by 50 points, and that was only with about six minutes left on the clock, and then they just got 3 three gimme's at the end. The impressive thing for me was that they never really got any scoring from good structure or good play. A lot of it was scramble early on. Even yeah. early on, it was just um, turnover, and punishing on the turnover. Then when they made that comeback in the second quarter, it was mostly just um, some good center clearances, but also turnover football.
1: Yeah, quick rebounds as well. Yep. Um, one of Danaher's goals was kind of you know running out the back. He t- uh, turned Lloyd inside out, I think it was, and kind of strolled into an open forward fifty. Um, yeah. So you know it was that quick movement that was. I've, I wouldn't say you know causing us too much stress because you know look how it all ended up. But, yeah. Uh, exactly.
0: Yeah, I, I don't know if it's okay. So if they couldn't maintain it, or maybe they just didn't have the mentality to maintain it. But I, yeah, I, I just haven't seen the Swans play like that. And I guess that happens when you have you know virtually no pressure for half a match. I mean, you can probably play like gods in that case. <laughs> but uh, it's, it was just um, it was just stunning to just watch the
1: players do whatever they wanted with the ball. And we had we had twenty three marks inside fifty. Yeah, we did. That's ridiculous. It is.
0: It's. <laughs> You shouldn't have twenty three marks inside fifty. Okay, it's a little disappointing we only kicked, you know, nine goals, but you'll you look at the fact that Papley got a mark and then he dished it off to McLean, McLean got a mark, then he handballed over the top to Logan for a you know, a little gimme in the goal square. That's two marks for one goal. So mm. <laughs> it was ridiculous watching them do that with players like Daniel Rich just walking back from this from the centre square. Yeah. You know, Harris Andrews one on three and it's just like, what are they doing?
1: Yeah. And just, um, you did mention the 19 goals and I did work it out. The last time we kicked 19 goals, I think was like round 12, 2018. Wow. Um, so I mean, you know, last year you can kind of discount with the shorter quarters and all that sort of thing. Um, but yeah, it's been a while since we've actually dominated a team that well.
0: Yeah. Uh, I think Adelaide, we beat Adelaide, um, at the SCG, I think it was by similar score back in 2016. Yeah. 20 um 2019 we averaged 60-odd points. It was really mm. not a good scoring year for us and even 2018 we didn't average much more than 80 points a game. Yeah. So, yeah, it's it's a really cracking effort and a really great way to start season off. Yeah, definitely. Uh in the end we had the four debutants. We had uh Errol Golden. Uh up a, I think we both uh, equivocally agree that he was sensational. And if it wasn't yep. for Callum Mills, he would have uh definitely got the 3 Brownlow votes. And I think he's Pretty much locked in for at least two.
1: Oh yeah, and certainly um, more importantly, locked in for a best twenty-two spot. Now, I mean, oh, we yeah. can't imagine dropping him unless he's you know particularly fatigues after a match or whatever. But yeah, good on him.
0: It kind of reminded me of the Ben Rock performance he put back in in uh, I think it was twenty seventeen that four oh, four <laughs> freak match. And then he, and then the only other time he followed up was against Geelong with the five goals. Yeah, it's a shame because he hasn't come on since then. But he's been used in such a weird way But you kind of get those vibes I was getting those vibes when I was watching him Like, he's light ronk, but more consistent And he's got a far better field kick
1: Yeah, his his disposal is immaculate Oh, it is It it was absolutely stunning And his ability to mark too 10 marks He took 10 marks He took a contested mark against Daniel Rich Who's probably about uh, 20 centimeters taller (laughs) than him Like (laughs) Yep
0: yeah. yeah. It, it's, well, it's not, let's not say Daniel Rich had a good game. He didn't. He, he nah. was putrid. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Tom Hickey, we've already talked about, he was um, ridiculously good. Uh, he ended up with, I'm um, just doing a quick refresh, uh, The one of the highest uh, AFL fantasy points, but also when we looked at the AFL player ratings, yeah. he was, I believe, top or second. In the afl ratings behind neil so neil ended up with the highest player ratings but tom hickey was second just and it was a mile beyond his career best an absolute mile so that's just how good he was uh then we've got logan mcdonald uh three odd goals on debut uh absolutely sensational three goals one uh 11 kicks and five marks
1: yeah and just the quality, the way he does his set shot and the way he goes through his routine and everything is just so calm and so self-assured and he kicks it so crisply and, you know, at the SCG, anything from kind of, you know, 55 out um, is just, you know, so... You just have that kind of confidence that he'll get the job done. Yep. And it's so good to have that in your key forward.
0: Oh, absolutely. If he flushes it, it's going through the middle and mm-hmm. his kick is just solid, it's straight... There's no nonsense, no playing about It's just simple. I, I really like watching him kick the ball. And then, of course, Braden Campbell. Uh, he, speaking of kicks. Speaking of kicks, highest rated player that uh, we had in the academy. Um, he had a quietish game, 12 disposals, disposal efficiency 92%. Uh, I recall he had one turnover, but he also finished with four intercept possessions. And he was being such a cheeky little bugger in the first half. He was doing no-look handballs. Um, and... Like a first game of doing a normal <laughs> what the? They'd be like taken from the ground, left on the bench from those teams.
1: If they stuffed it up, yeah. yeah. And like, <laughs> exactly. You didn't... Look, that's the thing. He's a, he's a guy who's, you know, in his juniors, he kind of plied his trade as a midfielder who kind of drift forward every now and then. So that kind of contested play and that kind of instinctive disposal he's really good at. Um, Him playing defence, look, I think it's really good because even as a midfielder, one of the things he you know could probably improve on was uh accumulating more of the ball he's brilliant as an impact as an impacts player but um i think putting him in defense where he doesn't have that kind of pressure to dominate and hold possession of the ball where he can just you know when he does have it do his brilliant things with it um i think it's a really good spot for him to be while he develops
0: yeah 100 percent. and the good thing about some of these changes with how Howard- we putting the newer players and also switching around mm-hmm. players like Harry Cunningham is that it is giving Lloyd more opportunity to go back to what he was doing doing earlier in his career and what he excelled at, which let's face it, it's not defending. Yeah, he is yeah. a good ball user and a good distributor and we are playing him in the back pocket. He is definitely not that good to be playing in the back pocket, I'm afraid. So yeah, these new changes I think is great for the way that we use the ball and it was evident that when we got the ball into the right players, into their hands, the ball was used supreme. Uh, Jordan Dawson was moved more further up the ground. He got some time on the flank and on the wing. He used the ball amazingly. Uh, even Chad Warner came in. I mean, this is a this is a guy who didn't look particularly impressive last year, even looked a bit average in the preseason game, just came in and he had a big impact. Yeah. For a guy in his third game, he actually looked like he belonged.
1: I'm glad we brought his name up because um, he's someone who, you know, I think is finally getting a chance in his, you know, best role. He is a midfielder first and foremost. And I think his games last year, he wasn't really given that time. He was kind of, you know, shoved in a pocket and just was like, you know, get used to the AFL style of gameplay and all that sort of thing. The but Brandon um, Jack treatment. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, look, I mean, he's really holding his own. And if he can, you know get some sort of improvement as the year goes on, um, you know, find his strengths play to those, um, then he could be a really good kind of, you know, inside mid of the future to pair with someone like a James Robottom.
0: Well, check out his stats around the match. 19 disposals,
1: 3 tackles, but this is where it gets
0: really interesting, especially for a third-game player. 7 contested possessions, 2 intercept possessions, 1 goal assist, 11 score involvements. 11? 11. Eleven. 15 huh. pressure acts. He played about three quarters of the match just over, and he had over 330 meters gained with eight inside fifties. So see that.
1: So when he used the ball, he was delivering it inside 50, which is really interesting for me. I kind of, you know, see him as one of those kind of, you know, inside balls who kind of dives in the pack and, you know, gives a quick handball out sort of thing. But um, yeah, that not really surprises me actually. The other player
0: I uh, just really want to um, touch on briefly was James Robottom, who mm. uh, hyperextended his knee early in the match, and he's definitely a doubt for this week. But even even with a bung leg, just his performance and what he was able to do with the ball, he kind of reminded me of Parker early in his career when he was the link player. He wouldn't dive on the pack, but he'd get the ball out, and then he'd just distribute the ball very, very well. And some of the stuff Robottom was doing, he was setting up goals left, right, and center.
1: And kicking them himself as well. Uh, this guy loves to kick a goal. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he loves a goal. Which is, which is always good for um, you know, your midfielders to be able to drift forward and do that and to be able to rest forward without, um, you know, wasting an interchange because we only have, I think it's 75 now um, yep. that you can use throughout the course of a match. So, yeah, no, it's really good.
0: I mean, he finished with 22 disposals and 9 tackles. 8 tackles, sorry, 8 tackles, 22 disposals. Yeah, 8 tackles is huge. Yeah, it it is, especially with a guy who looked like he was definitely restricted and he still Mm -hmm. played a lot of the match. Um, Well, actually, I'll lie, he played just over half the match but still managed 20 pressure acts. So, (laughs) I mean, it's it's a massive game from someone who's clearly injured, played just over half the match and he's got nearly as many disposals as Callum Mills who played
1: almost all the match. And so, got the same amount of, of disposals as Dane Zorko, who's you know, yep, one of, basically one of Brisbane's most important midfielders. Exactly. Look, I
0: think we should talk about the injury list really quickly. Uh, yep. We've got James Roadbottom, uh, who's a test this week, doubtful. I'd say it's probably worth giving him a rest. The Crows haven't got the longest injury list, uh, but they do have Matt Crouch with a groin injury, TBD. Um, could be a test. Who knows. James Kelly, unfortunately, concussion two weeks, uh, and Daniel Talia knee still a week away, so I, I don't think they're going to be bringing in Talia for this one.
1: No, it's um, they're three, they're three really important players for the Crows. Um, oh, yeah. Crouch is kind of you know, their midfield general at this point, um, and Jake Kelly and Talia, they're two guys who are so important for their defence. Um, well, they
0: they would have been the ones to take uh, Franklin. They would have rotated on Franklin. It definitely would have given it yeah. to Jake Kelly first.
1: Yeah, I mean, once you've got um, you know Franklin, then McDonald, then you've got someone like Reed who's now who can now play as a third tall. Yeah. In terms of you know importance on that sort of hierarchy, um, suddenly our forward lines looks really dangerous.
0: And they might even try and stretch it with Hickey as well.
1: Yeah, if he rests forward,
0: yeah. Who's surprisingly good with using the ball for us <laughs> in the <laughs> first match. So yeah, it, it's it's going to be interesting uh, seeing how Adelaide are actually going to structure up especially given that they, all they've really got in defense now is um, Smith and, and Dode, uh, if the, if they're selected and Brown. So they will definitely yeah. be short on height and I'd say a bit of leadership too.
1: Yeah, and I mean, especially they've moved um, Rory Led into the midfield. I think they're wanting to use uh, Brody Smith as a bit more of a midfielder as well. Um, so yeah, it is their defense where, you know, it'll be interesting to see how they perform. Yeah, 100%. Now,
0: we're looking at team changes as well. Um, We're recording on Thursday night, so the teams aren't in yet, but obviously Lance Franklin is going to come in. Uh, I was touching before on Rowbottom, so Stephen will just have a guess at which ones, but I'm thinking that Franklin will come in for Rowbottom. Uh, What's your sort of thought there?
1: Yeah, I mean, look, I'd love Rowbottom to be fit and ready to go, Um, but I think Franklin will come in for probably McLean, who's a bit stiff. I thought thought he played a really... um, You know, useful game, but you know, someone has to go. And then if, um, if Robottom has to go, then maybe someone like McInerney might be ready to go to come back in, who had such a good, um, end of 2020 in terms of his form and the way he played. Um, he can kind of provide another, you know, four target as well or play kind of that outside midfield role on a wing.
0: Yeah, I agree. Uh, Like, McLean's going to be like really stiff if he misses out. Yeah. But it, it is what it is. I mean, you could even look at like uh, maybe someone like um like a Sam Wicks as well, who might be one of those on the fringe. Uh, I did mention in my ratings that even though he played a good forward half pressure small forward type of role, uh, he still needs to find a way to inject himself in the game even more.
1: Yeah, I mean, look, two goals, five tackles. I think that's um, you
0: know, it was great pressure. Don't get me gr- wrong. Yeah,
1: but I think you know he'll he'll be wanting to set his you know goals quite high he knows what he can do um we've seen what he can do that practice match in the pre-season he was absolutely immense um so i think he'd be more stiff to be dropped than uh mclean would be but um yeah i'd personally would love to just see him get as much game time as possible he's had a few years in the system can um build up that endurance and uh just yeah tackle anything that moves which is basically his role. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's what we need from him. Uh he yep. kind of replaces uh when you
0: think about it, Gary Rowan and Ben Ronk in that in that way, which is really important. And it's it's interesting when you've got Wicks, Golden and Papley, I'm trying to think of all the small forwards trying to come to yeah. my mind. Uh how they just rotate position positionally now. Uh and mm-hmm. you've got Papley who's kind of playing almost wing flank, kind of drifts into the middle. Golden's kind of doing the same and Wix is just focusing more flank wing forward. It's it's a really interesting dynamic and it's probably going to be a nightmare for some of these teams to match up on, uh, especially Ooh, yeah. when all three are good kicks at goal. They're quick mm. and they're punishing. They they absolutely punish you 100% on turnover.
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's that rotation. Um, you know, as I said before, uh, less interchanges this year. You need players who can be versatile and you know, I think that's something that, I may have criticized horse for in the past. Um, yep. not playing, not playing guys in their as best position, all. but well, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, um, I think that, I think that strategy is paying dividends now, especially with these rule changes that have come in. Um, yeah. Just to, you know, change to, to be able to change things up on the fly is such a good thing to have as a team.
0: Yeah. And, and our brand of football now if we're going by what round one was as a brand of football, mm-hmm. it's a very attractive brand of football, a, and the games I watched on the weekend, it's not that like frantic, chaotic, helter to scale type, you know, just all over the place, get the ball forward at all costs. Richmond type, yep. Richmond type, you know, like under watching under tense football that, you know, grown men are playing. Uh, uh, it's very, it's not Hawthorne precise. Like if they're kicking falls away, you know, the go goodbye game plan. It, it's just, it's quick, but ruthless and skillful. And it doesn't depend on um, tackle pressure and it doesn't depend on clearance. Either, but obviously you still need that trademark great defensive stability and resilience, which I, I think with Rampy and McCartan there, it, it really is. It was excellent. Yeah. Which leads me to say, I mean, uh, we're going into the preview of the match now. We've talked about changes. Neither of us mentioned Melikin. Do we have to? I mean, no, no. Let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm just saying, like, we're not talking about him. I don't. We never even thought about it until then. So. Yeah. It just goes to show how stable the the team is at the moment and we don't need to make changes in that area. And yet we still have the depth there if we need it, which is great. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, he's on a three-year contract, so he's not going anywhere. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So preview of the match, history between the two teams. Uh, So the Swans have won the last seven of ten matches against Adelaide. Uh, And the last time we played them was last year in round one. Uh, and yep. we beat them by three points At Adelaide Oval This is the weekend that the shutdown happened I believe um it was Wasn't it Geelong and Hawthorne um, Who played the last match of the round Might, might have been like Geelong and North uh, Melbourne Or something like that
1: Yeah it might have been Um, But yeah one of the highlights I remember of that one was uh, Tom Papley kicking a goal and giving high fives To an absolutely empty crowd <laughs> Yes Yeah that was brilliant and he's just laughing about it I yep. love that
0: uh, Heaney went absolutely um ridiculous he kicked uh five goals i think it was that match no four goals yeah. four goals he kicked
1: he was our only like he was forward, our yeah. key he was our key for target he was our tallest forward i believe listed there other than like McCartan, i think who you know um this is before he moved into defense and yep. um yeah he kind of took that by the reins and that was the game where i thought hmm right maybe Heaney shouldn't be a full-time midfielder <laughs> yes well it's funny you say
0: that because last week he kicked uh three goals too he, yeah he, play, he, playing as a forward playing as a forward he played almost purely as a forward and i think yep. a lot of us have been saying for a long time just play him as a forward he's good to watch as a midfielder but he's not as effective as a midfielder
1: yeah and especially now i've got someone like mills in there who's um you know i guess in too many new faces in the midfield can be a bit of a um, challenge sometimes But uh, you know I think Heaney is Performing his best When he's that You know Sort of lead up forward target who Yeah can Push absolutely. up if needed
0: Well I've just opened up The teams from that match uh, Florent Heaney Dawson Is our forwards Wayward yep. I'm not calling him Hayward I'm just calling him Wayward <laughs> now um, Wayward Lizard And Lewis Taylor On a half forward oh, line right. So Yeah very, very
1: young isn't it Yeah
0: Very young And very small
1: Mm.
0: Now, you look at where they play now. Florent is playing a wing. Heaney's pretty much playing forward. Dawson's playing in defense. Wayward's playing in the VFL. Liz is playing on the wing. And Lewis Taylor's permanently
1: injured. Well, no, so, VFL now, I think. But, yeah, uh, <laughs> <in the> VFL. <laughs> yeah. Yep. He, he's one of those handy depth guys that I was talking about. <laughs> oh, yeah.
0: Very, very handy. Uh, I'd love to see him play again, but I think it might be a little unrealistic. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so the other thing that's interesting is the last time we beat Adelaide at the SCG was 2016. We've actually lost twice to them since, including oh, really? that 2017 match we lost by, I believe, um, three points.
1: Oh, okay. Yep.
0: Yep. So, yeah, it's it's been a while since we beat them at the SCG.
1: Yeah. Um, but I think, you know, it's been a long time since then. Just look what happened last week. I mean... Adelaide beating Geelong, what? Um, yes,
0: up by thirty points too at one point. It was yeah, just tuning in, I, going, "What is going on?" <laughs> yeah,
1: that was that was crazy. I think this game, you know, is well,
0: it I mean, a
1: danger? Is it a danger one? Is it like a danger ga- dangerous game for us? Yes. Yes. But, you know, yes. At the start of the season, I was thinking every game would be a dangerous game for yeah, us. True. I thought we, you know, wouldn't be certainly wouldn't pull out performance like we did last week. So. I think you know two of the you know better teams of last week who we performed two of the biggest upsets we've seen in around one for a while um i think yeah you know well done for the afl to manage to fixture this
0: <laughs> well i mean well done for adelaide winning as well last week to actually set yeah. something up oh, and yeah. us as well i mean congratulations and many thanks to geelong and brisbane not showing up i mean it helps yeah but um yeah i just watched I tuned in. I'm like, "What's going on?" Five minutes later? I'm like, "Yeah, this makes sense. This score line is pretty reflective of how you are <laughs> playing, which is garbage." Um, and, so yeah. it's was, it was just amazing watching
1: that. And praise, he, praise, praise, Tex Walker for he has risen. Oh, like, five goals! What he a game!
0: Wound back the clock, and it was it was interesting listening to the commentary, uh, especially for our match that night. And they're talking about the fact that like Sydney had what like five extra weeks or something like that to pair in the preseason, and they're mm. talking about. Differences in times and how much training you can get But then you go and watch Richmond And Carlton And it's not like Richmond played poorly They actually played a decent game of football It's just that Carlton were Extremely good for the first Two and a half to three and a half Quarters and they just fell away at the end And it was just Richmond who just came through And won and they weren't playing bad They were just Carlton were just playing that good Yeah, And then you obviously compare that With uh, Geelong and Brisbane Who played like absolute crap? So (laughs) I don't think uh, training time has anything to do with it. I think it's mostly between the years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Now the uh, important thing is that we obviously can't let Adelaide have a six-goal head start again.
1: Yeah, that'll be that'll be ideal.
0: Or (laughs) let Tex Walker have a shot with about twenty seconds left on the clock to win the game. Yeah, I don't think he'll miss it this time if he gets the opportunity again. The what the form he's in. No, five goals um last last round, so uh, we can't really give him a sniff because uh, a sniff is all he needs, especially mm. when it was banging him in from well over 50 meters. Yeah. But uh, like, when we played him last time, we smashed him in disposals and clearances, plus 21 clearances, which is just ridiculous. Uh, plus 17 consist, uh, contested possessions, plus 27 marks. But the interesting thing was five less marks inside 50. Uh, sorry, five less contested marks, but we had two plus two marks inside 50, if I can get that one right. Yep. And, and <laughs> we did have more pressure throughout the game, plus seven tackles, um, just more pressure instances. But geez, that was such a close game in the end.
1: Yeah, it was. And like, we were a team who were depleted in terms of, um, you know, who wasn't on the field. Um, we weren't, you know, quite as assured in terms of our structures. Some of our guys were um you know a bit fresh um like too fresh (laughs) um (laughs) yep so like it it was a great game to watch and it was great that we got away with the win but just it was great to watch in the sense that you know it was a bit of kind of it was a bit it was almost laughable to watch you know Isaac Keeney do his thing and seeing mostly kind of you know um hobbit sized people around him (laughs) um it reminded yeah. me of that game against
0: Geelong in, uh, 20, I think it might've been 2017 or maybe 2018. I can't remember which year mm-hmm. it was. The one that, um, Ben Ronk went ham in, but also I think Dean Towers was playing then Parker was playing in and we, we beat them against uh-huh. all odds. We actually beat them
1: in yep, the midget yep. forward line.
0: <laughs> it was Dean Towers in the fourth quarter who turned it around for us too. Oh, yep. You got a better memory than me, mate. Oh, I was at the <laughs> ground. So I was just watching it. Yeah. I'm like, holy crap, Dean Towers is playing good. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I'm just I'm just going to read some of the names off from, from last year's match. And basically, it's a who's who of who's no longer playing in the team. Uh, Will Haywood um, hasn't played in the team for a while. Lewis Taylor. Uh, Sam Gray was delisted and re-rookied. Re-rookied, yep. Yep. Uh, then we've also got Alia Aaliyah, who was um, traded. Um, Kane Brand, who knows where he's at. Sam Naismith may never play again. Um, James Rowbottom was only really I think in his second season at that point. Ben yeah, Monk in was. the wilderness. Um, yep. McInerney, who had a good end of last year, but is still on the fringe, and a who's pretty much on the fringe. On the yeah, by those depth players. Yeah. So yeah, we we didn't have Reed. We didn't have Sinclair. We didn't have Franklin. It was amazing, like, that performance was... Like Last year's performance was really good. And we're going to need that again. But, obviously, we don't have a midget forward line this time. We've actually got a really tall forward line now.
1: Yeah. So A, a functioning forward line, I yes, think. Yes,
0: a functioning... Well, <laughs> well <laughs> time will tell because, you know, yeah. we chop a change every week. <laughs> uh, but if we look at the uh, performances from last round, comparatively head-to-head, uh, we've, we had 51 more disposals in Adelaide eight more inside 50s. Um, we also had a 5% better disposal efficiency and get this 10% better efficient efficiency once the ball was inside 50. That's scoring efficiency, which is mm. pretty dang impressive. Uh, overall, we had six less clearances, but we had three more center clearances. And I think this goes to what you touched on before with the Rucks. Which is going to be interesting watching um, Hickey go up against their um, younger guy, O'Brien. Yeah, O'Brien. Who's who's not bad. He's
1: not a mug, but you know. Uh, he, I'd have him. I'd have him as a close to a top five, top uh, maybe top six ruck in the competition. Yeah, he, he's definitely no mug. He he's, he's quality.
0: He's quality. He's a good young player, mm-hmm. and it's just going to be an inter- interesting matchup watching them go head to head. Obviously, with our 22, 23 marks and so fifty, we have way more than they did. Uh, but interestingly 19 more one percenters despite the fact they had almost 10 more tackles
1: yeah that's interesting
0: so that those are pressure acts so mm. I think it goes to show that if we can bring the pressure again we'll force because they also have an equally young team I think we we can force them into a lot of turnovers and if we b- use the ball the same way as we use it against Brisbane we will just cut them to pieces
1: yeah I, I mean they had a few debutants play um, last week as well, did Adelaide. Um Jimmy Rowe, who, uh mature age South Australian player, came in and um did really well in his first <laughs> yep. um his first game, just slotted in perfectly. Um Sam Berry, who um was actually I think is the brother of Jared Berry, who yep. uh played for Brisbane against uh against us last week. Um yeah, so they've got a few young blokes coming in. Riley Tilthorpe, their um their bloke they picked at pick two. Um Still hasn't debuted yet, but you think you'd think he'd um come in at some point, um yeah yeah. So it is it is two teams who I mean arguably we might have been kind of been doing that rebuilding for a bit longer than they have because they I mean how long how long ago was it that Adelaide were in a grand final twenty (laughs) eighteen yeah Yeah, twenty seventeen no twenty seventeen yeah not that long yeah the the fall from grace for them has just been huge so yeah I think you know in terms of where our lists are at comparatively I think we might be kind of yeah, you know, going a bit more a pace of our choosing um 100 yep. so yeah. i think yeah i think that's that's why um we'll probably go out go ahead with the um with the win this week i reckon yeah i'd be i'd be surprised if we didn't win uh, which is interesting because as i said
0: earlier in the cast uh the experts have given us all uh 15 to zip as opposed yep. to last week when it was zip 15 so kiss of death <laughs> is going adelaide and uh let's not hope kiss of death gets its you know, two weeks in a row, that'll be a little bit embarrassing. Um, just a tad. Just a tad. We're uh, thirty to like $3.30 favorites or something. So mm-hmm. it, it's very, very heavily favored for us um, if you're into the, yeah. the gambling kind of thing, which um, we don't advertise or advocate, but, you know, have a bit of fun. Uh, Do it responsibly. <laughs> responsibly. Don't bet the house. <laughs> <laughs> uh, matchups, key points and predictions. I'll uh, we'll just go through them really quickly. So we've got one each. Uh, for my matchup, Stephen... I'm going for Mills versus Laird. Now, Laird had a massive game for Adelaide last round. Uh, He was arguably the most, apart from uh, Walker, obviously, he was the most impressive player. You've got to get the ball to Walker, obviously, for him to kick it. But the way he was getting the ball and the way he was using it, um, he was just cutting up Geelong. And we really need to clamp down on him and stop him from doing it. And he's done it to us before. He's killed us before. We just can't let him do it again. So Callum Mills... Breakout season, uh, outstanding in the middle. And mm. We've got to use that. We've got to use him, and we've got to make sure he punishes Adelaide and really make sure that he clamps down on lead. If he can come away with
1: two more goals again, oh yeah, that that is perfect. Yeah, and over eighty percent disposal efficiency for Mills as well, which is just so good to yep. see. Um, my matchup, I did have um, Rory Sloane, Luke Parker, just as kind of like you know two guys who play a similar role. They're a bit older. Um, but they've been, you know, stars in the past. Um, I think it'd be interesting to see who kind of comes out on top there and you can kind of put uh, Josh Kennedy in that mix as well. Um, yeah. But one, like while we've been uh, chatting, I think whoever plays on Tex Walker, and I think I'll probably say um, Tommy McCartan at this point, um, he has such a big job to play on him. Um, and if we can shut down Tex, I reckon that's the game mostly won there. It's interesting that you're going
0: with McCartan. I, I would hundred percent hands down have rampy on him. He gives away a lot, but he usually does well against him. There have been times though, when Walker's definitely got off the chain against rampy. So yeah, I think have to work it, but you've also Rampey's, got, yeah, rampy's done well.
1: Rampy's done well against Tex Walker when Tex Walker has been down on form, which he has been for let's face it the past couple of years. Yeah, true. I agree. Um, with that. So I think, you know, uh, Tex Walker in his prime will need someone with a bit of strip, like a bit more kind of height and bulk to, um, really kind of force him in the contest there. And I think, um, Tony might be better off there. Um, but I could easily see, you know, those two swapping on him.
0: Yeah. It's not like they, they don't have height as well. Uh, they've definitely got like, um, players like Billy Frampton, who's over 200 centimeters tall. Uh, they've also got, um, really small players like James Rowe and, uh, was it uh, Ned McHenry? They're, they are small, under 180, mm-hmm. quite zippy players. Um, and then they've also got um, Shane McAdam. He's uh, an athletic 183 tall player who can Took play... a great mark. Oh, he does. He's very yeah. energetic and he can play tall and short. And then you've also got another one, Lachlan Murphy, who's very small. Uh, that's three four players around 180 or less. So it's going to be mm-hmm. interesting to see how we match up on them. Could, Justin, can I, be, can I be blunt there?
1: Yep. Most of those guys are spuds. Oh, wow. (laughs) Compared to ours, yeah. Well, I mean, guys like Murphy have been in the system for a few years. They've got another kid, Chase Jones, who, you know, was hyped up in especially last year's preseason to, you know, be the next shining light in their midfield. Averaged less than 10 disposals a game. I think, you know, they've got some good young guys coming in, but they've also made some terrible decisions, whether it's in drafting or development. Um, I think, you know, in terms of the, you know, you've got 22 players on the field the players who are 18 to 22, I'd have our guys beating their, um, those ones beating Adelaide's every day of the week. Oh, yeah. And I'm
0: not going to argue with that. I'm not saying they're <laughs> great. I'm just saying, you know, they've got a smallish forward line to go with a couple yeah. of giants. Yeah. So, look, you're right. If you look at... um, If they're going to play uh, Frampton, who kicked two goals on the weekend, uh, against Rampy, uh, Rampy will probably beat him, but that's a bit of a risk because he's giving away... 13, 14 centimetres plus about 15 kilos and a massive reach as well. So McCartan would be the obvious better pickup or better choice to play against him. Uh, it'll just be interesting when he goes into the ruck and plays that second second ruck. Um, key points, uh, I've got whoever uses the corridor best will win. Enough mm. said. I don't even have to explain that.
1: Yep. And I had, um, as a kind of like a key question, can we keep up our, our amazing kicking efficiency? Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, if, if we, we can. Yeah. If if Adelaide allow us to play that, that similar sort of game, um, you yeah, know, bring out the popcorn.
0: Yeah, I would expect that someone's going to go to Gordon and clamp him down big time. But I, I think it's going to free up some of the other players as well to do what they do best. And yeah. we have a lot of... These days, compared to what it was a decade ago, or even eight years ago, we actually have a lot of good ball users in the team. If you go back to when we were playing in Grand Finals 2012 to 2016... We had only a handful of quality A-grade ball users in the team. You're, mm. you're looking at someone like a Jared McVeigh. Um, Jake Lloyd was coming along back then. Um, Lance Franklin as well. These are three players who could use the ball by hand and by foot. And then there was just a lot of uh, players who were pretty average at using the ball. Uh, Josh Kennedy was good, but definitely not elite. You had Tom Mitchell who was good, but not elite. Kieran, um, Kieran Jack, who was definitely on the more sort of Average side of things. Um, certainly later in his career, uh, Adam Goods was past elite. He was coming back down to more normal-ish kind of yeah. average. We didn't have a lot of elite ball users, but now we've got so many elite ball users that can just hit targets from fifty-five meters to fifteen meters with with no sweat at all. Mm. So it's it, it's. I think we can, but it's it's amazing to watch them. Now, predictions for the weekend ahead for our match, I've got um, Sydney will have at least 10 more inside 50s than Adelaide.
1: Yep, and I've got um, Logan McDonald's to kick at least two goals. And, you know, I th- I'm i going to add this in as well to be a push for a Brownlow vote.
0: Ooh, yeah, no, it's not a bad one. They will be stretched and uh, he surprised us all last week and let's just hope he can keep on the surprise train and keep it going. Yep. Now, time for the weekend forecast. Wrap this up real quick. Sure thing, Stephen. Do you want to give us your sure thing?
1: Yeah. So I reckon. Um, so Port Adelaide play the Bombers uh, this week. I reckon Port are going to absolutely tear them a new one. Um, Bombers played really well against Hawthorn, but you know, well, they played uh, a good first half. Let's just clear that up.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true.
1: Um, but I think you know, during the preseason and stuff, I had uh, Bombers and Hawks in my bottom four teams. Yep. I think the bombers against a you know, a rampaging uh Port Adelaide side, you know them having a Lear Lear in their defence. Oh, no, the don't, the, don't want the the to talk about him, him, it. He the amount of insect he had. Oh my gosh. <laughs> they played like him in legend. the right they played him in the right role and lo and behold he actually does really, really well. Oh, um I was watching but, part of it just go, Why did we do this? <laughs> yeah. North were just kicking it. It looks like the North would deliberately kick into it into him every time they were inside Ford 50. It was ridiculous. Uh, well, they, um, probably,
0: they probably mistook him for uh, Magic Door, who they delisted. So. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I reckon portal smash him.
0: Yeah, I, I, I agree. I agree with you. My sure thing is that Hawks won't overturn a 40%... Uh, 40 point, not a 40%, but a 40 point deficit against the Tigers again. No yep. chance. They're playing the Tigers, and uh, just like you, I think they go- they are going to get spanked.
1: Yeah. By at yeah, least five ti- points. Tigers
0: are not bombers. <laughs> <laughs> no. no. Uh, I've got for my most at stake, the Cats Without Dangerfield and starting the season Zip 2. They are playing the Lions at... Uh, I don't know what they're called. GM HBA now?
1: The... Oh, yeah, yeah. your Park. Uh, just continue. Just continue. Yeah, Park. Continue yeah. park yeah. And your uh, most at stake, Stephen? Um, well, mine's very similar. I've just got... Um, <laughs> Brisbane, who are playing at Geelong, where they haven't won a game for eighteen years um, since two thousand and three oh. was the last time Brisbane have won at Kardinia Park. I'm not sure how many games they've actually played in that time, but I imagine it's you know eighteen years is probably a few, um, and they might be starting the season zero and two. So there you go, a lot of, a lot at stake for both teams there. But if you want something that's a little bit different as well, I'd also have uh, Leon Cameron, who um, you know lost to St Kilda last week. Up against uh Frio side this week. If GWS lose to Frio, oh. Leon Cameron could be out of a job by halfway through the season.
0: Oh man, if they haven't fired him by now, I'm not sure they're ever gonna fire him. Yeah. Jesus, that would be that would be a shock. Let's just put it that way. Uh Doomsday scenario, I've got Essen and repeat their 2020 demolition of Port Adelaide. Oh, if that happens, <laughs> if they turn up and destroy Port Adelaide wow, like the whole favourites thing for the year would just go right
1: out the window. Doomsday for our footy tipping. Oh, yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Doomsday for
0: everyone. If they'd managed to do it again, it was ridiculous last year when they did it. It was absurd last year when they did it. If they do it again, people are just going to be like, well, they're flakes, Port Adelaide are flakes on the road.
1: Yep. And Um, my my, my Doomsday scenario, I did have something, but I don't want to jinx it, so I won't say it. Um, Instead, I'll say... For my doomsday scenario, Buddy Franklin comes into the Swans team, plays Ford, and suddenly the Ford mix, the chemistry and synergy that that Ford line has would just fall apart. Whether it's, you know, yeah. our midfield being too buddy-focused like we have been accused of in the past, um, or just things not clicking. Um, if that happens, because who's going to say drop Buddy... <laughs> Like, who's brave enough to do that? Me. Um, Yeah, (laughs) that's why I
0: said earlier, put him on a wing.
1: Yeah, I mean, look. yeah, Yeah, if that happens, I'd I'd love to see that, but I'm not sure if um, not sure if the they're kind of you know brave enough to do that. I don't think. But yeah, he's a big personality. Yeah, I think it's it's a risk to put Buddy in the team this early. And I'm really glad he's in, but I'm just kind of a little bit hesitant as well because when I said, you know, I'd want Buddy to, you know, he's only played half a reserves practice game. I would have loved to see him play maybe four, maybe three or four actual reserves games. So we don't have a Buddy that's walking on eggshells, trying not to get injured when he's coming back, but one who's kind of exuding that Buddy style of confidence.
0: Yeah, and would have given us an opportunity too when the VFL fixtures come out to see him in Melbourne. Yeah, it'd be nice, wouldn't it? (laughs) Just uh, was it go to a ground, pay five, ten bucks entry, sit in your car, and you can watch Buddy Franklin run around in Port Melbourne or something? We're at Coburg Oval. Yep, sounds pretty nice. (laughs) Sounds fantastic. (laughs) All right, Stephen, uh, thank you so much for coming on. It's been uh, sensational having you on again. So thank you for taking the time. Yeah. Cheers, Justin. Until next time, cheer cheer the Swans.